This episode of Full Armor Radio is brought to you by CR101 Radio Network. CR101 Radio Network is a Christian reconstruction internet radio station that hosts and broadcasts lectures, sermons, and podcasts 24-7. You can learn more at CR101Radio.com. We're also brought to you by GCS Apprenticeship Program, which is dedicated to training the next generation of Christian teachers so they can own and operate successful and profitable Christian schools. You can learn more at GCSApprenticeship.com. And now to the show. So what do you think will happen to you after you die? So personally, I'm not very religious, but I was raised with a couple different religions in the household, oh. like Christianity and Hare Krishna monks, like East Indian oh. kind of stuff. Okay. So I kind of more picked up on that. So I think it's more to do with what you do in your life while you are alive, what ends up with you. But I believe it's some form of a reincarnation based on karma. So like if you're you know, living your life the best you can and helping people and not being, you know, rude or mean or evil and things like that, you'll end up better off than someone else who wasn't. Okay. Something like that. So why do you, so you believe in reincarnation? I do. So why do you believe in reincarnation? Because I was thinking about it, um, and my stepdad, he was the Hare Krishna monk and everything, and he was, he told me a lot about it and Mm -hmm. things like that, and it just clicked with me personally more than it did with the Christianity from my mom's side of the family. So do you, do you have a reason to believe in that, or do you, do you just like it? I mean, I think that just no matter what, the more good you put in, the more good you put out, or you get out. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of makes sense to me more than more so because when you look into other religions it's just small things that like personal choices that don't harm anyone can put you in bad places uh-huh. which in my opinion it shouldn't mm-hmm. so that's why it makes more sense with me that the more good you do the more good you get okay. instead of like you know for example being gay or something like that mm-hmm. and most forms of Christianity is considered a bad thing that would send you mm-hmm. to hell and things like that. Okay. Do you believe in the existence of God? I believe that there is a higher power, but okay. I don't think I have the personal experience or knowledge to declare what that is. Would this higher power be the creator? I believe so. So you think that you're created by some sort of deity? Uh, yeah. And I imagine this deity is the one who facilitates this reincarnation? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So is he the judge? Essentially, yeah. So you're going to judge. So in, in your form of reincarnation, he, is he the one who decides what you come back as? Yeah. Okay. And that's based upon how well you lived your life this time around. Exactly. Right. Got it? Okay. So I guess what I'm asking, do you know what a worldview is? So I've heard the term, but I'm okay. not completely well, familiar. Well, we're kind of already talking about it in some sense. But basically, everybody has a worldview. And it's how, basically, you can think of worldviews kind of like lenses and glasses. If I had red lenses and glasses, I would see everything in a hint of red, right? And if you had blue lenses, it would be bluish to you. Because everything that you see would be filtered through those lenses, whether red or blue. So everybody has a worldview like lenses, and we interpret evidence through that worldview, right? Right. So when you see when you when there's something presented, some claim made, we can accept it or reject it. You know, we do that all the time, and that's going to be based upon our worldview, right? 
like, this is going to sound like a stupid question, but you believe in laws of logic, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you believe that you know, two contradictory things cannot be true at the same time and in the same way. So if I said, my car is in the parking lot, my car is not in the parking lot, you don't buy yeah. that, right? <laughs> because your worldview believes that laws of logic matter, <laughs> that they are real, and two contradictory things can't be true at the same time in the same way like that. So you would reject that claim. I can't be telling you the truth that my car is both there and not there at the same time in the yeah. same way. So this is an example. So when it comes to views of afterlife, that also is a worldview question. What do we believe about you know, the afterlife? Yeah. So do you know what the word arbitrary means? Yes. You need to find that kind of... There's a, lot, there's a few different definitions, but... So that means, like... I'm not kind of sure. It's all right. It's, it basically just means believing something without a reason. Yeah. Believing something for no reason, or believing something just because. So... That's really not a reason. It's like, it's, like, it's irrational. Yeah. You know, because I told you I believe in such and such just because. say, well, why? I say, well, just because I do, you know? It's not really a reason. So you want to be able to give a... Ra your worldview, you want it to be rational. Because it's not as though we live in different worlds. We all, we, you and I live in the same world. Yeah. We have different worldviews. So it comes down to which lens is correct, right, basically. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it can't be arbitrary, is what I'm saying. Your worldview just can't be... It is the way it is, just because. Yeah. That'd be bad. Of course, it can't be self-contradictory. It can't be illogical. So, I guess what I was asking you with the reincarnation thing is that I guess we're looking for something a little bit more than just that seems good to me. You know, like is there a, is there a rational reason or a reason, I guess it's redundant, a reason for why you think that when you die you'll come back as something else? I feel like it just kind of makes sense because when you think about it, you've got, for example, your dog. Mm -hmm. Whenever your dog dies, where does he go? Mm -hmm. What happens to him? Something like that. Same thing with you. And I believe that if, like, something, like, as far as animals, if an animal serves its owner well and does what it, you know, doesn't harm anyone, things like that, lives a good life just as a person, it would also be reincarnated to the next step up. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just a whole ladder of moving up until you hit, like, man, and then past that, you know, some okay. ethereal thing afterwards. No, in your, in your worldview religion, do you have, like, a scripture? I don't personally, because, like I said, mine's just, I'm not really very religious, it's just something I picked up, uh -huh. but that scripture would go back to, like, the Sanskrit text of the Hare Krishna religion. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... We're talking about worldviews, right? right? And there are certain things in the world in the worldview that are important. Like there are certain things that a worldview needs to be able to account for in the world in order for the worldview to make sense and not be arbitrary or irrational, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. So, for example, like you and I would probably both agree that it'd be wrong for me, like immoral for me, to go around and just like beat up some girl in here, yeah. right? Like beat, like, you beat him to a pole, that'd be bad. <laughs> so I'm glad we agree on that. That's good. <laughs> In your worldview, why do you think it would be wrong for me to do that? Because not only would that be, you know, harming someone else, mm -hmm. that's just something you really shouldn't do unless you have to. 
it would also accumulate more of the bad karma. So worse things would happen to you while you are alive and then after you die. Mm-hmm. Well, so for the first part of that is that you're saying it harms somebody, which is true. Yeah. But that's not, the question is really why, not what. Because that's true. If bait somebody up, that will harm someone. That's true. But why does it matter is really the question. Why? Yeah. And then the second part of your answer is by what standard... Because are you saying that this that this God you believe, the God you believe in decides what's right or wrong, or because you said karma? Now karma is not a person. Karma yeah. can't decide anything, right? Right. You know, there's a fallacy called a reification, and that's when you attribute personal attributes to impersonal things, right? right. So you say karma decides. That's really not true because that's a that's a reification fallacy. Yeah. Now, a person can decide things. So if you have a personal deity, a god that is a person, or well, a god could decide. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So God decides right from wrong. Based on your karma, yeah. So he's, he, he, he has a law. How do you know what God's law is? Your, god, your God's law. That's a good question. I'm not completely sure. Because that really is my question is, how do you know it's wrong for me to beat up a woman? And why is it wrong? Is it the same question pretty much? Yeah. They were saying, "Well, God decides." It's okay. Well, how do you know what He thinks if you don't if you don't have a, a scripture or some way of Him telling you? Yeah. Right. I'm not completely okay. sure. I think it's just like I mean, <laughs> I've never really thought about it that way. Okay. Well, something to think about because we talked about before. So you think it's wrong? I know we agree on that, so that's good. The question is, though, again, why? And so, so you haven't been able to give an answer to the why question, correct? So that would be mean that in that area, that's going to be arbitrary on your part. Yeah. Believe in something, but you don't know why. No reason. So that's something to think about because you don't want to be irrational, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't You don't have any rational worldview. What I'm saying, though, is that right now in your worldview, that's an irrationality in your worldview because you make moral decisions. It's not just beating somebody up by any moral decision. Why is it wrong for me to steal that girl's laptop? Why is it wrong? Yeah. You know, whatever it may be. You have to have some sort of standard by which you make moral judgments, right? Yeah. So that's really the question. So I'm coming from a Christian worldview, so you probably know a little bit about that yeah. with your upbringing. How would a Christian worldview answer the question of why it's wrong for me to beat up somebody up? Because you're supposed to love thy neighbor as thyself and mm-hmm. things like that. You're supposed to be kind to people around you. Mm-hmm. That's true, but why, remember? How do you, why do you think from a Christian worldview? Because... God said so. Yeah, yeah, that's the pretty, Ten Commandments. Pretty simple, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's that easy. So, like I said, from a Christian worldview, you have a God who gives a scripture who reveals what the law is, which is why I was saying, since you don't have a scripture in your worldview, it's a problem. Because you're saying that God, that your God decides what's right and wrong and rewards based upon that. But you don't know what right or wrong is because he hasn't told you yeah. in, your, in your religion. So, for my worldview, though, of course, the Bible is the word of God. Ten Commandments, like he says, sum up his moral law. So I know by what standard to make moral judgments is his law. He's the creator of all things, including human beings, has, has given a universal law that all people must abide by. So I can't go around killing people or beat people up or stealing or lying or committing adultery or whatever yeah. maybe. Make sense? So that gives a, a rational foundation in my worldview for morality. It makes sense, right? Yeah. Makes sense to you? Why is it wrong? Well, because God, the Creator, has said so. He's still, it's based upon His moral character. 
he's opposed to lying because he is truth. He's opposed to murder because he is life. He's opposed to adultery because he is faithful to his promises. Yeah. For example. That makes sense to you? Yeah. Okay, so another another area for a worldview. This is also going to sound like a stupid question. You, you, first of all, do you know what happens when you put like baking soda and vinegar together? Yes. You've seen that yeah. fizzing, whatever. So, if I, if I pulled out some baking soda and vinegar, and five minutes from now, I said, okay, listen, in five minutes we're going to put those together, what do you think is going to happen? Five minutes we're going to put it together and it's just going to fizzle up. Fizzle up. So, why do you think it will fizz in the future? Because it'll fizz in the present. Well, because well, it fizzed in the past. Because yeah. we're not doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. But right. So, we're not doing it right now, but in the future, I said, we're going to do it. So you're saying that you would assume it would in the future because you've seen it before. Yeah. Right. Which, that's why I said it sounds stupid. It sounds so obvious. But here's where we get into the, you know, underlying things, the deeper things from our worldview. When you argue that something in the future like that, that the laws of chemistry will continue in the future because they've been that way in the past, it's actually a logical fallacy. You know, logical fallacies are as yeah. error and reason. It's begging the question. It's the logical fallacy. Because think, if I give you another example, if I were to tell you I'm not going to die in the future, and you said, okay, why? And I say, well, because I've not died in the past. Bad argument, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, so because the assumption is there is because the future, the assumption is that, is that the future is going to resemble the past in that way. So when it comes to laws of nature, not just chemistry, but physics and gravity, whatever it may be, why is this chair going to be a chair in two seconds and our body is going to be the same? Everything okay. physical. We all assume that nature is going to be uniform. It's going to function in that law-like fashion, right? Yeah. We're always assuming that, or else we couldn't really know anything. Because, you know, we assume the solids to remain the solids and, the, and so on and so forth. If you put your hand on a stove, a hot stove, you, you burn your hand. How do you know it's going to burn your hand when you, if you did it again? Because you think, well, it happened in the past. Yeah. Well, that's not really a good reason. It's an assumption. It's begging the question fallacy. You're just assuming it instead of actually proving it. So the question is, why do you think that nature will be uniform in the future? It's really the question. Why do you think that nature, nature will function in a law-like fashion in the future? I mean, there's, like you said, there's no real telling if it will or won't because you can't see the future, but just based off of the past and the present and things that have happened. Like, if I drop a book now, it's not going to float up, that kind of thing. Which is the question at hand, is yeah. that? So it hasn't happened that way in the past. I would grant you that. But what I'm saying is if you argue from the past to say what's going to happen that way in the future, that's begging the question of fallacy. So that's not a good reason either. Yeah. That's like arguing I'm not going to die in the future because I haven't died in the past, right? So the dropping the book's a good example. Why, don't, like, why do you think it's going to fall off the ground? Because those are just how the laws of nature <laughs> always worked <laughs> in the past. Yeah. You see my point. So this this one you probably don't know from a Christian worldview. Here's how I would answer the question: Why do you think that gravity will continue like that in the future? Well, again, you have the Bible, which is God's word, which is the claim of the Bible. It's God's word. In Genesis, He says He created all things, of course, and it says that He put He put uniformity into nature made nature uniform. There's going to be days and nights and seasons and years and so on and so forth. I, I trust that the, the earth is going to continue to rotate on its axis because God has promised 
that that will be the way it's going to be in the future as it has in the past. So I can do science because of this foundational premise yeah. that God has said nature will be uniform. But see, if you don't have that, what are you reduced to again? Arbitrariness. Because you believe nature will be uniform. You believe the book will follow the ground when you drop it for no sound reason. only reason you can give is a fallacy, which is not a sound reason. It's an error in reasoning. It's illogical. So again, what's my point of all this stuff? It's interesting. Stuff you probably haven't thought about. Yeah. Most people don't. But it's more than that. Is that what I'm saying is, here's the Bible. Of course, it claims to be God's word. But just because something claims to be God's word doesn't make it so. There's yeah. a few things, a number of things that claim to be the word of God. But it is one of them. If you accept the claim of the Bible that it's God's word, you can give a rational foundation for morality, why things are right and wrong, and for why nature will be uniform. Which means you can give a rational foundation for why knowledge is possible. Why it's possible that we can know things. Because if you, if, if you couldn't depend upon nature being uniform, you couldn't know anything. Because things could, could always be changing in the future. You can't really depend upon the laws of physics to be the same, or the laws of chemistry to be the same. So everything that we've learned about those things, well, we don't know if they're going to be that way from one second to the next, in your worldview. Yeah. My worldview, though, was saying, I do know that they will be, because God has said so. So I'm saying, if you accept the claims of the Bible, you have a rational foundation for morality and science, uniformity of nature. But if you reject the claims of the Bible, so this is not God's word. What are you going to be reduced to? Well, you've already did a little experiment on it. You're going to be reduced to arbitrariness. Yeah. That's, where you, that's the position you're taking as a rejection of the claims of the Bible. You're going to be to arbitrariness, which means your worldview lens is arbitrary, which means it's irrational. Do you follow that line of reasoning? I do. Okay. What do you think about it? <laughs> I think that while it may be arbitrary now, I feel like later on it's going to be proved somehow. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'd rather just stick to mine and see what happens instead of trying to pick out of the millions of others that all claim the same claims as Christianity is like whenever you think about it Islam they say the same thing uh, Judaism they say the same thing Hare Krishna they say the it's same thing about, about what namely that this is you know their deities word and this is a hundred percent true and there's nothing that'll change it mm -hmm. it'll stay forever this is the claim but do they have a rational foundation for it that's my question. So, as, as I said a minute ago, I admit it, yeah, other religions make the claim. But rejecting the, that claim, like if, if I tell you there are, you know, five billion tons of cocoa puffs in the world, if you accept that claim or reject that claim, it really doesn't make a difference, yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's not a big deal. What I'm saying is if you reject the claim to the Bible, it's a little bit bigger of a deal because you're reduced to irrationality if you do. So it's a bigger claim to reject, more important one. So... If, if, yeah, if you're a Muslim or if you're a Jew, you know, I would discuss that with them. You know, the Jews, of course, hold to what I would call the Old Testament, the Torah, you know, the prophets. But they, and they also hold to the Talmud. Those books, I know my Old Testament, it's part of my scriptures as well. And they have some additional things. They're, theirs is internally self-contradictory, which means it's also irrational. It breaks that rule. Yeah. The Muslims, what do they hold to? The Quran, yes, also. The Torah, five books of Moses, the Psalms, and the Gospels, which also contradict each other. That the, the Quran and the Gospels contradict each other in a number of ways. Um, what Jesus said versus what Muhammad said. Yeah. And they, they, in their own worldview, hold to both. But they contradict themselves. Irrational again. Mormons, 
Same thing. The Bible plus the Book of Mormon plus a couple other books contradict each other themselves. So their worldviews are internally self-contradictory. So I'd be discussing that with if you were one of those. I'm saying they're not valid either. Yeah. And just because they make the claim doesn't make it so. If I reject the Book of Mormon, doesn't matter. I'm not reduced to irrationality if I reject the Book of Mormon, am I? No, because I have scripture. Now they would say, yeah, we have the scripture too and the Book of Mormon. But the reason they're irrational, it's not because they're being totally arbitrary, it's because they're self-contradictory. Yeah. See what I mean? So what I'm saying is what, what somebody likes or does not like really has no bearing on what's real. That's an important thing. Like, you know, like a little kid says, I don't like Brussels sprouts, therefore they don't exist. <laughs> that's, that's childish reasoning. Yeah. It goes the other way, though. I like something, therefore it does exist. It's also not a good reasoning. I like the idea that everything would taste like ice cream. It doesn't make it so, right? So the real thing is if we can be tough-minded and think about what is true, not versus not what I like, but what is true and what is defensible. That's where, kind of what I'm trying to, to deal with a little bit. So, what I'm saying is, you said you said it may be arbitrary now, but it'll be found out to be whatever is true will be found out later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is, those I'm saying that the Christian worldview is rational, while others are going to be irrational because either they're self-contradictory or they're arbitrary or both. Okay, so you do follow that line of reasoning. Right? I do. So, are you saying that you're okay with your worldview being arbitrary for right now? Yeah, I'm okay with it. Okay. So to be clear, so you are saying that you're okay with being irrational right now. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm okay with it being irrational for now. Okay. Why is that? Because to me it's not really as big of a deal right now because I'm not, I mean, as far as I know, I'm not dying in the new future. What's on my mind is, you know, what's going on in my criminal justice class tomorrow. Right? <laughs> sure. Right. Like that. It's right. not really what's going to happen in... The average life expectancy of like 80-ish more years. Mm -hmm. Right, but you did you did say something in there that is also true as far as you know, which is the yeah. case for all of us. We don't know when we're gonna die. Maybe you heard about uh, Kobe Bryant over the weekend. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a sometimes a, a reminder to us. He's 41 years old. Yeah. yeah. So let's one more thing. I'll let you go in a minute. One more thing though is that you said you grew up in a and with a Christian influence. Do you know? According to the Christian worldview, how somebody goes to heaven. I know that you have to uh, accept Jesus into your heart and accept the Bible and things like that, and uh, frequently read and study it and pray and things like that. To, and then you die, go up to the pearly gates and meet. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not exactly actually. It's like this. So. You know, you, I think you mentioned the Ten Commandments before. So you know some of those. Do you think you've kept those or broken those? I feel like I've kept them. Okay. Well, some of them are like, have you ever told, ever told a lie before? Yeah. I have. I mean, countless, honestly. How many, how many, I can't tell you how many I've, in my whole life. Think about it from a little kid <laughs> all the way up. Yeah, lots and lots and lots. I've broken that one. Ever stolen anything? No, I haven't. I'm not talking about robbing a bank. Yeah. <laughs> but... Taking something that doesn't belong to you, that could include downloading things off the internet. Have you done that? I have. Then yeah. Yeah, I have. I think most of us have on, in that regard. Um, disobedient to parents. 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> Come on. I have, for sure. Jesus said if you um, lust after someone you're not married to, that's adultery in the heart. Yeah? Yeah. I have. <laughs> Count, again, countless times. That's just four of them. So if you look at, we just look at four, we said what, we have liars and thieves, disobedient to parents, and then adultery is a heart. Just looking at four of them. So do you think if, if God were to judge us, you know, could Christian God judge us based upon the Ten Commandments, would you find us innocent or guilty? I'd say just based solely off those and guilty. Right. We just admitted that. I mean, it's, just, it's pretty obvious. We just said we broke them, so we're guilty. So based just based upon the law, heaven or hell, what do you think? Probably be hell. Right. That's right. Because think, think about it, like, even in a human court, if I said, yeah, I robbed a couple banks, killed a couple guys... Can you let me go? If the judge says, no big deal, man, get out of here, that'd be a really bad judge, yeah. really corrupt. So a just judge, a judge who's good, righteous, loves justice, is going to have to give a penalty. Well, God's like that. He has to give a penalty. He can just let you go. Yeah. But, so what did God do, according to the Christian worldview, so that guilty people don't have to go to hell? sent his son for to die for our sins. Yeah. So there's legal implications to Jesus' death, and I'll explain what I mean. I just said that God can't let the bad guy go. Bad guy's me, <laughs> the guilty person. So justice has to be dealt out. So instead of me getting justice for my sins, Jesus can take the penalty in my place. So my guilt is transferred to him. He's bearing the penalty. So instead of me getting the justice for my sins, he's taking the justice for my sins. Instead of me getting hell, he's taking the punishment of hell on the cross. So now, God's not just letting it slide, but he's giving justice but it's to a substitute. It's Jesus. He's standing in my place. Yeah. Right. There's another aspect to it too. According to Jesus, how good of a person would you have to be to earn heaven? Any idea? I'm not sure. He said perfect. You gotta be perfect. Now you and I just admitted a minute ago that we're not. Yeah. <laughs> right. Jesus kept the law perfectly. His righteousness, his law keeping, just like the sin can be transferred to him, his law keeping can be transferred to the sinner legally. Kinda like if I earn a million bucks and then transfer it to your account. You don't earn any of it. I earn all of it and then transfer it to you. Well, he earns all the law keeping, transfers it to the sinner, which is the requirement to go to heaven, that perfection. So I got those two problems. I'm not perfect, so I'm not good enough to go to heaven. So I'm not going there. I'm guilty, so I deserve a penalty. So I deserve to go to hell. So I am going there. The way that Jesus can save me from that is by taking the penalty of hell on the cross. I don't have to go there anymore. He took the whole justice. He paid the fine, so to speak. And then the requirement to go to heaven is still to be perfect. Well, I haven't been that, but Jesus was on my behalf. So he transfers that over to me. It's like a switch. He takes the sin, gives me the righteous law-keeping perfection. So God looks at me and says, you are not guilty. You're perfectly righteous because of what Jesus did. Hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Have you heard that before? I have. Yeah. So do you, what do you have to do then to receive that salvation? You just have to stick stay faithful and things like that follow the best you can to the Ten Commandments be able to repent and ask for forgiveness and then accept mm -hmm. Jesus into your heart things like that well think about it like this what if, what if I was in, again in a human court and I said yeah you know, I robbed the bank killed a guy but I really try my best to be a good person and a good citizen can you let me go? they wouldn't <laughs> so it can't be well God yeah I know but I try my best Basically, I'm saying, God, look at what I've done, though. And he'll be like, yeah, look at what you've done. You've broken the law. You'll be, you'll be guilty. 
So now the Bible says in order to be saved is not by trying to be obedient because you can't be obedient enough because the standard again is perfection. We're not there. If you mess up once, you sin once, then you've blown it. <laughs> okay? And you've done, I've sinned countless times, like I said. So the only way to be saved is that the Bible says it's a free gift. It says this, Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. So wages is something you earn. So by sinning, you earn death. You're in hell. You're in a penalty by breaking the law. Makes sense. Then it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. A gift versus a wage, very different. A wage is something you earn. A gift is something that's given to you for free. You can't earn a gift by definition, right? So salvation must be by a free gift. It can't be by, God, look what I've done. Maybe I've done good enough. Hopefully you'll accept me because of what I've done. The only way God could accept you based upon what you've done is if you were perfect, which is not an option. So the only other way to be saved is by a free gift. Jesus earns the salvation by keeping the law, taking the penalty on the cross, and, this, and the gift is given to you. And it's received simply by faith or by trusting in Christ instead of trusting in your own good work. So it's a transfer of trust from yourself to Jesus. A lot of people say what you said. Well, I think hopefully I'm good enough. I'll try my best to be the faithful, most faithful person I can be. That's not it, though. That's basically saying, God, look at what I've done. I'll find me guilty. It can't be that. It must be, God, look at what Jesus has done. He kept the law perfectly on my behalf. He took the penalty on the cross for me. Look only what he has done. If God looks only at what Jesus has done, then he'll see perfect righteousness. If he looks at what you have done, guilt, which is which is not perfect, so therefore a penalty. So faith is kind of like, if we were in an airplane and I said, okay, man, you're going to have to jump out. And you said, okay, I'm just going to jump out and flap my arms. Hopefully that'll get me down safely. It's a foolish thing to do, of course. Yeah. That's like trusting trusting in your own ability to get you down safely, like by flapping your arms. It's like trusting in your own good works to save you. It's a dumb idea. That's like going to the courtroom and saying, yeah, I broke the laws, but man, I try to be good. Like, that's your defense, you know? That's not gonna fly. So what you should do, and not trust in your own ability, but put on the parachute, the thing that can actually save you. And in this case, similarly, it'd be trusting Christ instead of trusting in your own good works. Yeah. Now, I think you mentioned this word before. What comes along with that faith is repentance. Do you know what repentance means, you find that? It means like admitting to your sin and asking for forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much being sorry for your sin, recognizing that it's against God's law, saying, I'm so sorry, I hate these things, I'm sorry that I'm the liar, the thief, you know, and so on and so forth. And that should point you to say, I need Jesus as my Savior. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Just to make sure this is coming across to you, from a Christian worldview, you die, you stand before God, what should the real Christian answer be of why they should go to heaven? Because Jesus died for their sins. Yeah, and kept the law on their behalf too. Remember, you have to be perfect, so Jesus' perfection can be credited or transferred over to you. And that's it. Now, if somebody were to say, well, what Jesus did and what I have done, that wouldn't be right, because yeah. God would be looking, he'd say, okay, let's see what you've done, guilty. And of course, if somebody said, look only what I have done, you'd also be found guilty. So it must be Jesus alone, okay? Now, does that make sense to you? It, it makes sense. It makes logical sense to you, at least. Yes. So I know you're probably still thinking, you don't buy that, <laughs> right? Yeah. But at least it makes sense. And I hope that came across a little more clearly to you than maybe you've heard before. Yeah. It's not by, I don't go to heaven because I'm trying to be obedient because I can't be obedient enough. So why is a Christian obedient then? 
It's not to try to earn salvation. It's out of thankfulness to God for giving salvation as a free gift. I don't do a, a, you know, good works or obedience to God thinking this is really going to get me something. Yeah. It would really be self-serving anyway. But it's because I know they're right. God has, God has you know, saved me. I know that his law is right. And I desire to obey him because I'm not now. I love him and I'm thankful to him for saving me. I think he's worthy of, of obedience. That's not to try to earn salvation. That's not true. You yeah. can't earn it. Just so, just so you know that. So, just some just to sum up, I'll let you go. Things to think about. I know that you don't believe that's true. Yeah. Okay. That's, you know, we're talking as mature. Man, that's fine. <laughs> we can discuss it and disagree. What I'm saying, the reason I'm talking to you, of course, I do believe everything I just said. Christian worldview. And therefore, I believe that you know all of us, if judged by our own good works, are going to be found guilty. Me, you, anybody else. I don't want that to happen to you. I do care about you. I know we just met, but I do care about you. And do know, although it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, I do know that we're all going to die. It might be today, it might be tomorrow, I don't know. But we are going to. And then comes God's judgment. And if, you, if you're trusting in your own good works or thinking we're not trusting in Christ, then he's going to judge you based upon what you've done. I don't want that to happen to you. You'll be found guilty and then you'll go to hell. And that's why I'm talking to you. I don't want that to happen to you. So if you repent and trust in Christ, then you'll have Christ's righteousness on your account. Your sins will be paid for and he can forgive you and bring you to heaven. And then, and then to sum up with the discussion of worldviews, something really examine. I think it's really important that you examine your own worldview and not just believe in something because you like it or because, well, for no reason. Yeah. You know? Because I'm hoping, I hope I gave you something to think about at least. Um, like I said, I care about you my worldview, I hope you understand how this is an expression of, of that. So any questions for me? No, I'll have any. Alright. Well, I appreciate you chatting with me, appreciate your time, yeah. appreciate your honesty and all my all my questions. And uh, all right man. Well I hope you have a good day. Thanks so much. Thank appreciate it.